This is Movies, a podcast about the active cinema. And with me today, wouldn't you know, it's Hans, you look skinnier every episode. Do you have a disease? Are you sick? I might be. Uh, I'll know by the end of the month, so uh, well, I'll keep you posted. You're also I, very, very pale looking, too, now. If I stop showing up, you'll know why. <laughs> well, uh, we have a brand new guest on the program tonight. We have of the Rare Candy Podcast. We have Glenn Rockney. How are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm happy. Happy to talk about movies. I'm I'm transitioning into a movie person. Um, so this is uh, this is perfect. I was just listening to your episode on evolution. <laughs> yeah. So that's another. So we're talking about Joe Dirt tonight. That's not a show I ever expected anyone to have on their list of movies to talk about for this program. Um, so that's like, all right, so Evolution's around the same time as Joe Dirt, I want to say. And they're not... Yeah, 2001. They're not anything alike, but they've maybe been, I don't want to say forgotten, but they're equally, you know, there's a cultural blind eye to those movies and those types of comedies from that era, I want to say. And wasn't that, that was supposed to be a, a Ghostbusters sequel originally, wasn't it? I, I, that's what I'd, I'd heard. I mean, it, it's something like that. I mean, it's it's very much, and it's funny because it. I would argue that hey, they both involve meteors come, mm-hmm. coming down. So Joe Dirt and Evolution. So I maybe there is some similarities there, but you know there is the. Uh, I think it was supposed to be something like that, but it's like kind of like the Andromeda strain, which I just covered on my uh, on 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 another feed that I do. But there was a. It's kind of like the Andromeda strain, but just with like sci-fi comedy, just kind of almost like buddy cop scientist humor um, and stuff with that. But yeah, 2001 movies. I mean, I'm assuming both pre 9-11. I don't know exactly what day they came out, but like just that like kind of like not panic mode of the United States, just kind of like excess leftover from the 90s. Just just guys being dudes movies, man. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, Joe Dirt doesn't have a post 9-11 vibe to it. So I I really feel like that was a happy summertime release. It's June. June, yeah. And Evolution was... No, uh, it was April and Evolution was June. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, All right. So I feel like... Now, I only kind of got versed on your show recently, Glenn, but I feel like we've echoed similar topics um just based off of like social media posts like i know you did coast to coast with art bell episodes of your program uh when did you discover art bell because that's a new thing for me like i ran through a bunch of true crime and then creepypasta and then i wound up at art bell because there's just a whole lot there to to uncover and i'm still like i'm all caught up on like there's a spotify feed Uh, you probably are subscribed to that or you're familiar with it Um, where they put out episodes every couple of days or so from the 90s or maybe when he was doing Midnight in the Desert through Skype, uh, what, 10 years ago now or something like that. So I'm basically caught up on that, but there's probably thousands of episodes of Art Bell that I've just never heard. And so I'm, I'm still catching up, I guess. You'll never hear them all. That's what's so cool about them. It's this overwhelming thing. Now, first off, I just think regardless of whether you believe his callers, whether you believe he believes his callers, um, he's the greatest broadcaster I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it's just it's he's so good. It's it's unbelievable. Um, he's he's super skilled. I mean, the guy runs the whole he's a one man band. He's like the guy with like the symbols on his knees, like just entertaining everybody in the early 1900s type thing. Like, it's just, it's so good. Um, I love I just I want to be him to be honest. I just I just really want to be him. I'm just trying to like just imitate him in a sense. I don't think I would have the patience that he has for 
for liars. I would just get really frustrated with my callers after a while with their like he's he you know he has a thing where he is so remarkably polite to people with like the most far-fetched or like transparently fake stories. You know, he will entertain or he'll pretend to entertain it enough where it doesn't alienate the casual listener of the show. Yeah, sometimes he gets calls from vampires and it is just him talking to vampires for an hour where he just pretends to believe them, I guess, or is really good at, at sounding like he believes what they're saying. Yeah, and it's just, it's just, he's the ultimate libertarian. He's just like, hey, I'm just going to leave it up to the listeners. I'm just going to ask this guy. He has like a thing. He's like, well, can you, can, you know, keep him on the line? Hey, can you hold on through the commercial break? Because I want to see if you like still have this story for me, like after the commercial break and stuff. I, I don't think he, I think there's a lot of stuff he doesn't believe. I think he just realizes, hey, I'm, I got a live show going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I will say, like, the average R. Bell listener is smarter than the average Rogan listener. We've declined. <laughs> Uh, I think that's probably true. You know, I've only heard Art Bell, uh, like, shut down a story maybe one time ever. And it was, like, not even the least believable story. It just, I guess, you know, maybe it was, like, later in the run. Maybe it was, like, 2015 or so when he was kind of older and doing the show. Um, Was it someone denying climate change or something like that? Because he's very passionate about that. He wrote the day day after tomorrow. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) His book. So yeah, I, I noticed yeah, you you did shows on Art Bell and then also Michael Crichton is somebody who you've covered on your program quite a few times. And I haven't, you know, delved too deep into that well, but I've watched about uh a hundred episodes of ER at this yeah. point. So I'm I'm gonna count that. <laughs> that that counts. I mean I mean the guy was in medical school for years and years. I mean, so that's a lot of his stuff in there. And I've only watched the first season of ER. I, I will continue. But uh, I just, he's not my favorite author. He's my favorite person that ever wrote books, if that makes any sense. Like, I just think, I just think him himself is so cool to me. And I, and he does write amazing books. Like they're just, he doesn't care about characters. His main character is the technology that he's warning you about. And it's just balls to the wall. Just, just here we go. We're, action. I mean, he warned everybody of the girl boss that was coming. Like a, a lot of his books are just like, wow, this lady's like really having trouble, you know, with her management job at, you know, eBay in 2001. It's like, oh, did you know she's actually a swarming nanotechnology particles like uh, that are actually controlling her brain? You know, just, <laughs> just things like that. Like, he's great. Very, his interviews with Charlie Rose are some of the best things I've ever seen in my life, uh, all of them. And uh, I'm probably going to cover his entire catalog eventually. So hopefully, you know, I don't know, just one of those things when I get into something, I just I try to be a completionist about it. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, he's extremely sharp. If you watch any interview with him, uh, he is very well spoken and seems to know any topic he's discussing inside and out. As far as ER goes, you really don't have to go beyond the first season. It, it's clearly it like gets into procedural mode immediately. I mean, they kind of do that first season, but especially after that. And I think that's also when Spielberg decided to take his name off the show as producer. He was like, yeah. I think the other guy was John Wells. He's like, all right, you're you're going to carry the weight from here. It's just going to be your name, even though it's an Amblin product, technically. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so is it avoid the date, uh, James Franco years? Is that what you're saying? James or? James Franco was never on ER. Oh, was he not? It was John Stamos. It was Uncle Jesse. Oh, yeah, right. he was on there. Yeah. Right, right. That was when they were circling the drain. They didn't know what the hell to do. They lost everybody. So they were like, ah, uh, we can get, we can get, John Stamos is available. Let's get John Stamos. Yeah, and uh, one thing I didn't know when I, until like rather recently was that Crichton wrote 
is the original creator of like twister right like the movie twister like oh, i didn't know that it's his screenplay and um and everything and his uh production he didn't i don't think he he didn't direct it right i don't think i don't think he did but it was uh um that was his stuff too it's like man how much like that guy had so much money like just it's like and he's just so many things that are like still popular to this day like there's a new jurassic park movie probably being made right now you know and just kind of just gets retconned as like just kind of like this weird you know techno thriller guy but he was literally on capitol hill talking about climate models not being real and stuff like you know yeah yeah baiting al gore trying to debate al gore you know he directed uh, the original west world if i remember correct I, I don't think he did yeah absolutely. Uh, twister though i think that was some, what was that john debont who did speed yeah. or something somebody like that Hans? Right. i'm checking there's a sequel to twister called twisters in mm. production right now uh, right now well, yeah, it says it's production right. to be to be released on uh, July twenty fourth. It says an update to the nineteen ninety six film, which center on a pair of storms. Yeah, so just an up, just a you know a twenty twenty four version of it, I guess. Uh, that was Jean de Bont that directed. Are it. you gonna bring back Helen Hunt for that movie? I hope so. No. <laughs> I hope so with her current face. That would be uh, very yeah. appealing to a wide audience. <laughs> you know. Uh, she's, she, she's great. Uh, you know, she's got a very David Spade kind of look, and we are talking about a David Spade classic tonight on movies. We're talking about, you know, he had kind of a, a second wind in the early aughts because he had Joe Dirt and then he had Dickie Roberts, former child star and that movie did not, did not have the same kind of uh, splash that Joe Dirt did. Cause I remember I was, I was a child in school. People quoted Joe Dirt. There was a kid in my neighborhood who used to say uh, jerking my gherkin all the time yeah. because of Joe Dirt. And uh, that kid was so fucking annoying. I'm glad he's like, he's on welfare now as an adult. So it was a, it was a, it was a big movie for 2001. Uh, Dickie Roberts, not so much, but th this film kind of is the tail end of the whole happy Madison, early nineties, SNL starring vehicle for Paramount uh, era. You know, it was Mr. Deeds around the same time. I feel like that might have been post 9 11. Three oh four. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, because I think uh, doesn't Rudy Giuliani throw out like the first pitch at the Yankees game in that movie, and he says some inspirational thing to help Mr. Deeds with his date with Renona Ryder. So, <laughs> well, you got uh, the Animal was right after Joe Dirt. Rob I Schneider. Know yeah, sure. The animal made so much money, eighty-four million. When was the hot chick too? Wasn't that? I don't know if that, that was. was yeah. That was. That was later. I feel like it ended with Rob Schneider. He so got, you got. I like the hot chick. I thought that was a good one, but back I, in the day. You got the animal, then Mr. Deeds, uh, Master of Disguise, is oh. uh, Madison, uh, Eight Crazy Nights, and then the hot chick. Then you got Anger Management and Dickie Roberts. Anger Management was good. I liked Anger Management. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed Anger Management. Uh, not not quite the uh, the Charlie Sheen spinoff series for for FX. I thought that was very That's right. That was very that was a big mistake for everybody. I think um, it made a hundred and ninety five million that anger management movie. Oh, it was huge. I remember it's, it. Yeah, I remember it being huge. It's mm -hmm. insane to think about a comedy making that type of money now. Oh what, yeah. What year was Click? I feel like Click was really the last big Adam Sandler, Happy Madison style movie. 2006. Uh, no, you have Chuck and Larry. That was 2007. Yeah, yeah that's right. Good okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Zohan was 2008. Oh, Zohan. Uh, funny people, not real. Paul Blart. That was a big hit. Was, was Paul Blart wasn't Happy Madison, was it? That sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. Kevin yeah. James. Yeah. 
Then you got uh, Grown Ups. That was another big hit. Mall Just Cop. Mall bit. Cop. Uh, notoriously. So that was shot in my city in in uh, Quincy, Massachusetts, and. They used the money. Actually, no, it was not Mall Cop. Mall Cop was shot in Braintree, Massachusetts. For whatever reason, all these Kevin James movies were shot right in the same vicinity in Massachusetts. It was Here Comes the Boom, where he's an MMA fighter. They right. shot that at my high school like 10 years ago. And I remember it just poured money in for the city. And they were like, we're going to redo the whole center of town. And then they stopped like construction on rebuilding the center of town for years and bums just swarmed in and it like ruined the city for six years because they shot this Kevin James movie here. I couldn't imagine I, like, cause that doesn't happen where I'm at. I'm a Bay area, like Silicon Valley guy. And that mm -hmm. used to though, like when it was a little bit more open and not techie, like there was one of the dirty Harry movies, there's a chase scene on highway 680 in San Jose where they like shut it down. But like the, the freeway was like so new that you could just like sit on the side of it in lawn chairs and just watch like badass car chase takes which why wouldn't you and um like that that was that happened but it doesn't happen anymore like you'll you, they shot a lot of the mike judge silicon valley stuff at, at google but like you have to have a badge to get in so there's no um there th that doesn't happen so i always think about everybody on the east coast like i always feel like there's a movie happening out there that like people mm -hmm. just, like see from outside their apartment it was happening a lot in boston for a good like 10 years i feel like it capped off with that female ghostbusters movie like the tax incentives uh, changed and they stopped shooting. They were going to build like what they were calling like little Hollywood in Boston. And like Ben Affleck was going to be one of these investors there as well. And it, it was like this big perspective thing. And then something happened and it all dried up and they don't really shoot movies there anymore. Certainly with the same frequency, but they, they were doing all the comedies there. They did the Ghostbusters movie, the heat, um, tons of films. Now, not so much. New York, you can't like go around the corner without seeing flyers up that, hey, we're filming at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Wow. Stay clear of this area for whatever project. They shot Mass State Lottery in Boston. Oh, yeah, that's right. The hit film Mass State Lottery <laughs> was shot in Boston. How could I forget? No. Uh, to, just to go back uh, to uh, Happy Madison, the last movie that they released in theaters uh, before he got that deal with Netflix was Pixels. And that also made a bunch of money, $244 million. Uh, before that, Mall Cop 2, uh, Blended made $130 million. What? Uh, Grown Ups 2, $247 million. That's My Boy. That's... Uh, 57 million jack and jill made 150 million amazing it's in, insane uh and yeah bucky larson do you remember bucky larson i do remember bucky larson i remember nick swartzen yeah sure. that that made two million um that made sure oh, that made two million okay <laughs> wow yeah poor nick and now it's just yeah just director netflix stuff I guess. hey that basketball movie i forget what it's called where he's the scout 76 that was good i like that I, I i was surprised that that was good um i've yet to see that i've heard similar sentiments though that it's yeah. a, a pretty solid film he loves basketball he just loves basketball so he's like it's the the he made sure it looked like a good bad, a bad sports movie you can always tell like right off the bat if it's going to be bad but mm -hmm. it, that was good mm -hmm. well he seems like he's always ready to go because he's wearing those oversized shorts wherever he goes so <laughs> There's also the Goldbergs. I didn't know that Happy Madison. They, they, they did the, your the favorite Goldbergs. show, the Goldbergs. Wow. Yeah. God. Yeah. They're That's still. 
Yeah, that's that's quite the collection of um, films and television series. Can't tell him shit. You can't tell him any of his movies stink because he's just like, wait, what? Like, mm-hmm. no, I have so much money. Shut up. <laughs> I remember. The, I mean, at the time, his Netflix deal was like this unprecedented thing. Like nobody had heard of a company like that, especially signing somebody for. I don't think he got a hundred million dollar deal. Maybe he did. But I feel like whatever they throw it now, Dave Chappelle and everyone else is kind of like that makes it look like child's play. But at the time, that was like completely uh, like unexpected. Nobody really thought that, um, you know, they would be looking to make that sort of agreement with somebody like Adam Sandler, who even though his movies were making money like reliably, most people were like, well, he's kind of on his way out. He's he's done. He's washed up. He got $250 million for oh. four movies in okay. 2014, and then he signed a second one, a second four-movie deal for $275 million. That is wild. Okay. That's, that's a yeah. superb deal. What am I, I, yeah, that's much better than whatever probably Dave Chappelle got. But Dave right. Chappelle, he just like throws out 30-minute rants as comedy specials, and he collects a check. So he's probably got the easier deal. Yeah, he's in the he's in that like pull up a stool, listen to me, young blood. He's in that mm-hmm. era of his career. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the easiest. That's coasting. Mm-hmm. So you picked this movie, Joe Dirt. I mean, you you technically gave me like ten movies. And I was like, you know what? Joe Dirt is not a movie we'd ever cover. So we're going to talk about Joe Dirt on the show. Why Joe Dirt? Like, what is it about Joe Dirt? I I can tell we're probably around the same age range because there's all those like similar '90s, early aughts, nostalgic uh, uh, like landmarks. I guess that you've kind of circled with, with your program and your taste. Um, were you a fan of that era of SNL or those comedies yeah. or what, what is the source for you? Love it all. Um, huge David Spade fan. Tommy boy was playing like, you know, like if you go to Jiffy Lube, how they, they just have the same thing playing all over again. Every time you go to like an oil change service or something like that, it's just playing over and over again, the same movie or like those weird, like kind of sugary sweet factory things that are always playing Willy Wonka. Like it's, mm. it's just, it was just always on, my mom's really big into that. She's still a big SNL fan, unfortunately, but she, uh, you know, was always that, that era was good. We had the DVDs like um, when they came out, like where it would just be an hour, like best of Chris Farley. And we would just put those on. They were really, they were really fun. Um, but Joe Dirt was, it was interesting because the reason I picked that, I threw that in there. Cause I wanted to give you like a quite a w- wide range of things that to pick from like to where it, pretty much everything would get covered. And, but, but the reason Joe Dirt was in there is cause like, that movie and Zoolander, which I think they're a couple years apart, but they, those were two movies. Like my parents used to rent a movie every weekend. I'm an only child. So it was just your friends, your parents, basically at that mm-hmm. point, so like on Friday night, they'd be like, well, let's go to Blockbuster. Let's go grab a movie. And I was like, can we watch that? That looks really funny. And my friends like, ah, David's like by himself. Chris Farley, <laughs> he, he can't do it anymore. You know, they didn't watch it. Just shoot me. So they, uh, they're, they're like, we, he can't do it anymore. You know, by himself, they bought it. We were, busting up laughing the same thing happened with zoolander is why i mentioned that too it was was just nobody expected to like it we cracked up um and i watched it like probably i've probably seen that movie 40 times i watched it again i still knew every line like like every single line and it probably it's been about 10 years since i'd seen it and um it's it's special I, i love david spade he has this almost like british style like humor to him like a british guy that's from arizona where it's a lot of hmm, hmm, you know like just a lot of that like mm-hmm. just squinting at you like what are you are you speaking to me like just that kind of humor but then in joe dirt it's like he's the dumb guy but he still does the what what i'm not come on man like to xander kelly you know it's just it's 
I love that reactive humor that he has, like where he just plays off of somebody slightly dumber than him a lot of times. Yeah, this movie also has quite the cast. You have uh, Kid Rock, you have Triple H. Uh, I really, I'll tell you who I enjoyed most was Dennis Miller. I forgot that Dennis Miller plays the Howard Stern uh, disc uh, jockey in the film. Mm -hmm. He's just constantly mean to Joe Dirt, but yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, what were you gonna say, Hans? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, like Leaf Garrett. Remember when he's listening to music and they're like, he's like, yeah, I'm jamming to like Bob Seger or something like that. He goes, nah, yeah, right. You were listening to Leaf Garrett. It's just like they make him a gay kid. Like, like <laughs> yeah. man, what a, what a crazy thing. I forget. You also have Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle as young Joe Dirt in this film. And he disappeared immediately following both of those. Christopher those... Walken, too. Is oh, also... yeah. that's Yeah, yeah. Christopher <laughs> Walken as well, uh, who is kind of. Yeah. He's a happy Madison staple. He'll he will pop up like every four or five movies in just a very small part. Yeah, and Christopher Walken. It's funny because I listen to David Spade's podcast from time to time with Dana Carvey called Fly on the Wall, and uh, it's a lot of Dana Carvey. I wish it was more David Spade, but um, Dana Carvey. So a lot of a lot of voices. A lot, a lot of voices. Of... A lot of like the same SNL memory over and over again because like Dana Carvey only has SNL to call back to and Wayne's World for the most part, but like mm -hmm. David has like way cooler stuff to talk about but he he kind of wants to talk to the guests a little more and they have like old snl people on it's fun um a lot of times like famous hosts or, or things like that but uh david spade was talking about being on joe dirt and like i guess that was the first happy madison christopher walken did and it was the first like slapstick comedy i guess they may, maybe somebody can fact check me on that but it was first like real slapstick comedy that christopher walken had had done and christopher walken was like really he was like reading the script and he was like this isn't funny I guess. And he's like, and he kept doing the lines and like, you know, Adam Sandler's on set, like cracking. You know, if you ever see Adam Sandler, just like lose it. He's like laughing really hard and like knocking stuff over and, and David Spade's laughing. Everybody's laughing. And Christopher Walken's like, how is that funny? Like, you know, the Kansas part and all that stuff. When really it's like, it's the Frank white character to me, like being like in witness protection <laughs> like yeah. from King of New York. That's like how I choose to view it, but it's really funny. I do like the idea this would be a loose sequel to King of New York. Just no, <laughs> universe, like a universe kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's expanded on Joe Dirt 2, actually. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, I don't. Uh, so trust. I don't know. I didn't tell Hans to do this. He decided to take it upon himself to go watch the sequel to Joe Dirt. Um, that's not yeah. something I could sign up for. And I'll tell you what, I, revisiting Joe Dirt, I was like, wow, this is 90 minutes. It's kind of like it works like a just like. SNL more or less because he's going through different situations here. Mm -hmm. I noticed that with Fletch too. Have you ever seen Fletch, the Chevy Chase film? From the... I actually haven't. I want to. Um, I just I got around to checking it out like this past week, and that's the same deal where you have a comedic actor, and it felt like ah, uh, we don't really have a feature script here, but we have a lot of situations that this character could get into. Why don't we just figure out like some netting, how we can connect these different things? And Joe Dirt kind of has that vibe to it as well. Um, but yeah, no, I'm guessing that maybe Joe Dirt 2 is a little more narratively conceived, Hans, or? Well, let me tell you what happens to Joe Dirt 2. Uh, so it's supposed to happen right after the first one, um, but everyone looks at least 20 years older, right? So mm -hmm. we're supposed to believe that, uh, what's her name, Brittany Daniels, I think is her name, mm -hmm. uh, is just right after the movie, but they both just, like, life has gone by well uh, david fate was like 37 i think playing like a young man in this movie so then 15 years later he's but in his 50s and 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 it's supposed to happen right after uh there's a uh hurricane that comes by and he 
he had seen his trailer to get his oh he has three uh children three daughters uh he there's a storm and then he goes back to his trailer to get his kids toys for her, their birthday and then he gets in a twister or in a tornado and then he goes back in time to the 1960s um and the first thing he does is he meets uh well, a clone of uh forrest gump and bubba gump and then uh a wow. guy that that plays the you know, this sounds a lot like uh, Austin Powers 2, yeah. The Spy Who Shagged Me. Are you yeah. sure you didn't watch that instead? I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Then Dennis Miller is fat as hell. They brought this. Dennis Miller back too? <laughs> yeah, and he's also much older. And he, uh, he's not in a, a radio guy anymore. He just appears outside of like a like a farm uh, just talking to to a couple of other rednecks and he's just fat just wearing a flannel just fat still being the same character where he's just very snippy and it, it actually goes on for way too long that like it, it feels like and this is one of the reviews that i that i checked before i decided to watch it that it, it kind of just feels like a joe dirt director's cut that nobody needs to watch because right. there's a there's a lot of just okay, this joke has gone on for two minutes and it's the same joke for two minutes. It doesn't get funnier. It's just them saying things, trying to like find the joke, but we, it seems like there's no editing at all. So it's just like, and trying different, like, like uh, the outtakes for that Ghostbusters movie that you mentioned that apparently yeah. they recorded for like an hour and a half and then they let a bunch of it in. It feels, the whole movie kind of feels like that. Where Well, you said that this movie dropped in 2015 or so, right? So yeah. that is prime time for that Apatow, long, let it breathe style comedy. Yeah, you have a uh, old Mark McGrath playing the, oh. the, playing the Kit Rock character. Um, but he's got his old man from LA face playing a redneck. So it doesn't really fit at all. And then um, he's supposed to be playing his dad uh, in like this, um, what do you drive in scene where he's going to pull the popcorn trick, right? That's the joke that, mm -hmm. Oh, it's a hole. And I put my, Oh yeah. My thingy. Cause in the sixties, everyone called their penis, their thingy. So that's, a, that's one of the jokes that comes back multiple times in the movie. Wow. Just people calling their penis thingy. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, and then it's uh, like a two, three minute scene where his parents show up and his parents are like, Oh, popcorn. Oh, I'm going to have popcorn. Yum, yum, yum. Literally yum, popcorn, yum, yum, yum. Until he ejaculates on the popcorn. So that's one of the jokes that goes on for a long time. Uh, with uh, Mark McGrath, that's supposed to be playing a 16, 17 year old, just like a, you know, you know how people in the 60s or teenagers in the 60s used to look much older than now. I don't think any of them look 60 years old when they're 16, though. And we're supposed to believe that, yeah, Mark McGrath is playing the the character's dad when they were younger in there. So it's a lot of, of uh, timeline thing that doesn't really make sense, but it's just used to like reference other things. Um. There's a scene where he meets uh, Leonard, Leonard Skinner, however you pronounce that, the band yeah. that he's mm -hmm. a huge fan of. Uh, but they're like a duo band. And because of him, they changed their sound. And, oh, and, uh, I see. and there's a two, three minute scenes, a scene where uh, also that goes on for way too long, where he I think they're called the Wildcats. And he tells them that that's a very lame name. You should change your name. Uh, so 
two or three minutes where the band, each of them starts just mentioning modern bands because that's the funny joke. So they go, oh, we're going to the top. So it's One Direction should be our name or how about Backstreet Boys or oh, how cool. about Chair? But it goes on for so long that you're like, all, all right, we, we understand what you're trying to do with this joke. It's not working. It's not going to work. And it just, that the whole movie just kind of, keeps going and you wait for it to just like move on and it doesn't at all like i told you i still had like half an hour to go and i was like God, are you gonna finish it i don't know i fast forward through it to see what i've missed and uh, no i can't believe fine. you were that dedicated enough to fast forward to see what you <laughs> missed how does it end hans it ends with him uh so he uh buys some comic books for 10 cents and he buries them next to a tree and then he goes to retrieve them when he comes back somehow goes back to the present and then he retrieves them and he walks away with his three daughters and his wives to go get them braces that's that's the movie that's uh what took what 14 years in the making <laughs> yeah it took like six minutes to explain the movie you way over explained joe dirt too there yeah. uh well it, i'm almost two hours of of running time it's, it's i'm just horrible. surprised that they couldn't get kid rock back and i had to settle for sugar ray yeah yeah, it was, it was painful. Wasn't he covering Sweet Home Alabama at that time too? Like Kid Rock? Because remember he had that that big like kind of like beer commercial version of like it's like a it's like where he, it's like a the um Warren Zevon Werewolves in London reworking of and then kept saying Sweet Home Alabama in it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think that was Kid Rock was riding that wave. So yeah, he, he was mm -hmm. just uh, 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 getting a second wind, I guess, with a country audience. You know. So would that movie got like a Quibi release or something too? It's Crackle. 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 Yeah. Crackle pro produced it, I guess, or released it. Yeah. And that was during the heyday of, hey, we're going to go back to that comedy from 15 years ago and we're going to drop that. So Zoolander 2 also came yeah. out right around the same time. Um, also, also painful. <laughs> and it also... sounds like they, they did all the same things, which is, hey, we're going to revisit that joke from the original and do it again. Yeah, I remember going to see Anchorman 2, uh, the theater, and uh, it's the same thing of just like, okay, can we move on from this joke? It's not working. It's, it's just a lot, of, a lot of trying to make the same jokes they did over 10 years ago and, and, and hoping it works, and it just it doesn't. Well, how did Joe Dirt, the original, work for you guys when you went back to it for this show as a comedy? Pissing it's myself laughing. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a very easy watch. Like you said, um, because it goes from story to story, it 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 doesn't even feel like it's ninety minutes. If it, it's, it, I think it's an hour twenty or something. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's just it's it's funny. Uh, there's some some funny gags that I wasn't expecting, but it, it's very of the time. You know, uh, kind of takes you back to to uh, you know that that time when when that type of comedy was being made. Uh, and it, it wasn't, and I guess after seeing the second one, I have a, a bigger appreciation of the first one, but I, I enjoyed myself watching it. And there's a couple of the, the Richard Ramirez drawing thing yeah. made me laugh. Uh, the dog's balls frozen into the, the, yeah, there's a lot of dog sex in this movie. Yeah. There's three different uh, dog humping or fucking jokes that, that, that come up. That was a trope during that time. Because mm -hmm. you would always have like the other, I don't know what other movies, you'd have like the Baja Men Who Let the Dogs Out song and there would always be dogs having sex. Like I think it actually happens in Joe. I can't remember if it does or not. But like it was a lot of like a big trope of like the really horny dog 
back then for some or ba- the George Clinton bow wow wow yippee yo yippee like those would, they would always mm-hmm. be like a really good cut scene in every movie that would just felt really essential to do it and I mean there's a, like a part where it made me laugh really hard I kind of forgot like where the the dog's balls are stuck to the porch and he's like get something she's like a fork yeah. and like and I, I don't know it's just like it's that's like that good like improv like when you're like like when you're watching like somebody like who's actually good at like improv doing it I don't know if it's improv or not but that's like you don't see that much anymore. It's just like I, people try to make too much of a science about it, but that stuff, it just feels so natural. Like Brittany Daniels was really funny in that movie. Yeah. What happened to her? Uh, she, she, she aged. Yeah. I was say, you saw, her, her. you saw her last. So you tell me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys think that David Spade works as a leading man? Cause I feel like they keep trying. So, he seems to get like a big offer every six or seven years uh, as of like late. And not, it's not always like a film role, but sometimes they'll throw him a sitcom. Like he was like after John Ritter died, he was one of the two replacements on Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. Oh, yeah. It was him and James Garner. And then he got um, there was a CBS show that followed How I Met Your Mother. And he played kind of the Neil Patrick Harris style character of that show. So just and shoot then, me or? What's that? Uh, no, no, just shoot me was the 90s. Uh, I mean, within the last 10 years. Hot in Cleveland? No. No, he wasn't one. Rules of Engagement. That's Rules of Engagement is the show, yeah. yeah. And then he had a talk show on Comedy Central for maybe about two years, I want to say, within like the past six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Right around the time they gave like Jim Jeffries a, a daily show style program. He had a show. I can't believe he had a show. Yeah. And I think, I think Spade works. Uh, that's about, I think we saw the pinnacle of him as a, as a, the, you know, the, the, at least the apex of uh, him as a, as a, uh, as a leading man there, but I mean, mm-hmm. he's a leading man. And like you said, it's just him just meandering around to really famous people and having interactions with them. So like you get to see him, riff with he he plays off of people he plays off of christopher walken who's clearly doing a bad job hiding out as a janitor and then i mean the whole i'm your sister thing with jamie presley she was huge at the time Mm -hmm. like she was like she was definitely you know lightning in a bottle she wasn't gonna be popular forever but although i think she was in my name is earl and that was kind of a big show um if i'm not mistaken but yeah that immediately followed this so i think but, but prior to that she was in not another teen movie which was probably around the same time as this you guys seen this one? The Wrong Missy. Oh, yeah, no, no. He does get thrown Netflix Happy Madison comedies maybe like every two or three years. Wow. So he had this and he did a movie with Adam Sandler where one of them plays a hitman and the other guy's just trying to have a good vacation. <laughs> no, it's, um, no, it's, it's, but like, I think he works. I mean, again, like Farley, if Farley doesn't die, man, I mean, it's like, wh- what, what happened? I mean, how long does that last is what I wonder. Well, you got Kevin, right? You I do have Kevin. I couldn't even. One of them was a security guard in this movie. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the cop. Uh, when when Christopher Walken gets killed, he's right. like the cop that tells him, yeah, yeah. That's I couldn't even say that with a straight face. Uh, that sucks too because it's just like, yeah. Well, everyone just wants to see your brother. You kind of look like him, so that's why you're getting work. But yeah, uh, it's just a nice token, like a nice olive branch from Adam Sandler to just constantly just be putting a Farley. Just, kind but of- it's. It, it's actually kind of worse though because every time you see him you're like oh wait that's the brother that's the wrong <laughs> I think he's hoping, oh, the, think he's hoping for like the Jim Belushi thing where finally you know he can yeah. he can walk on his own but that that's not happening that's never happening unfortunately for this guy um what become a weed man 
become a, a a man that sells weed now in a farm. Is that what Jim Belushi is up to now? That's what he's up to now. But he still yeah. did like K nine one, K nine two. According to Jim, yeah, he had according to Jim the hit ABC program. He was in Thief. He's in some good shit. Jim Belushi. He was in Twin Peaks: The Return. Yeah, and that's was... what I remember him most from. That was great. When in yeah, the... he's actually done some very good, solid things. He, he's also not. I mean, the thing that Jim Belushi has going for him that Kevin Farley doesn't have is that Kevin Farley's like voice and face is too similar to Chris Farley. Mm-hmm. You know, it it just feels like one of the Wahlberg brothers or something to Mark Wahlberg, which yeah. is like it's too close. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really work the same way. Do you think if David Lynch should put the Farley brother in some art movie? You know? Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> no, that 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 would fix his career. That would fix everything for him. Um, that would be very very interesting. Get him out of Happy Madison. That's too close to home. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like get him in like some weird like like you know Red Room kind of thing. Twin Twin Peaks the the next return. You know? Yeah, you need him in a different context. Like maybe if he could do like a Harmony Corinne movie, <sighs> that could that could maybe work things out for him i don't know i like it Oof. what do you yeah you i'm seeing? looking i'm looking at kevin farley's imdb and uh i don't even recognize any of this the wild bunch on ice uh pitching tents oh i get it crowning jewels uh uh a, a genie's tale Baby. Yeah, I imagine it's just, you know, they did a lot of direct-to-DVD comedies in the aughts. You know, I feel like Steve-O was also in that market where it was like TV, the movie style movies that are just forgotten. Like the National Lampoon's uh, chain of films that nobody was ever going to watch because I guess like a company secured the name La- National Lampoon. So they mm-hmm. were like, all right, well, people have fond memories of Vacation and Animal House. Why don't we just put these very cheap looking movies out into blockbuster. So he's, I feel like his filmography is full of those type of uh, films. Well, and there's well, he, always the animated, I'm sorry, but there's always the animated sphere as far as for like, like Chris Farley was supposed to be Shrek from what I had heard. Yeah. He was, he was supposed to be Shrek, oh, which wow. would have been weird because he, he wasn't even going to do the Scottish accent. So like, it, it's just a very odd thing to imagine Shrek just being like, Hey guys, you know, just kind of <laughs> like just Wisconsin, you know, kind of the accent. But, and then, you know, David Spade had a, a huge animated hit Emperor's New Groove. I mean, that was a huge movie when that happened. So I, I, I do think a lot of those guys, because on Spade's podcast, they were talking to Kevin Farley one time and Kevin Farley was just like, we didn't know that that was like a thing that you could do was like go to Pixar, whatever this Pixar thing was, and just make like millions of dollars just doing whatever, you know, behind a green screen or in a, in a, vo- in a vocal booth. So like for me, I think Spade should have gone like that route because he does have a really funny voice. Like when he gets like kind of yeah. like, like when he gets a little like flustered or kind of like grossed out by something is a really funny kind of like Weasley voice when that happens. And I think that would be, work for him as a leading man, even still to this day. I think it would work, but um, and and maybe that's where Farley would have ended up eventually. But it's just sad, man. Just sad thinking about it. Well, Kevin Farley has "Dude, Where's My Dog?" Oh, um, oh okay. So that's that's good. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah. All right. Well, good for him. Maybe he'll get Joe Dirt three. Was he in Joe Dirt two? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think I saw him. Uh, he was busy. Yeah, yeah, he was actually. Yeah, 
Cal. I they didn't they didn't Cal. You couldn't. How could you forget Cal? Yeah. Uh, he around that time he was doing uh Mary Xmas. Oh, okay. And um, the Yang. <laughs> I don't know. Just a bunch of shit. I, th- I, I, I think you're spending stuff. too much time now on Kevin Farley's IMDb. <laughs> I think you're getting pulled away from what the show is. You know, I I read David Spade's autobiography, or he did a couple of autobiographies, and um. They unfortunately have like terrible titles. They're like it's like a, a Polaroid guy in an Instagram world. I think oh, was like the oh. name of one of his one of his books. <laughs> Snapshot world. In a Snapchat world, which reminds me. Uh, so Dennis Miller, I like Dennis Miller. I kind of think he has an interesting career in that he's like the original Bill Maher, but then he got weeded out because he was like the Republican equivalent to Bill Maher on HBO, and then he had a very like brief film career in the 90s where he did a Tales from the Crypt movie with Corey Feldman and Angie Everhart. I <laughs> believe it was called Bordello of Blood. And um, then he just kind of disappeared. I think he still does a radio show through his website or something, but he's like very wealthy and very well connected. Like he's friends with I feel like Mark Burnett and um, yeah, just like very reserved, like in the background uh, types of guys. And then he dropped a special on, I want to say Amazon, maybe about 2018 or 2019. And it's really bad. It's really horrible stuff. It's really old, man. His his stand-up was funny at one time, like it was, but it's, he, he, yeah, no, it's, that's about, it's fake news, real joke. He really leaned into the, like political pundit stand-up mm-hmm. thing which you just you just can't do i mean especially as a con- like kind of conservative i think he was kind of like a never trump conservative if i have that like if i have that right i don't know i, I think he was for Tr- i don't know where he's at now because a lot of these guys evolve and introvert in their opinions and i don't know what but i i remember listening to like some podcast of his from around that time and he seemed like you know, standard Republican guy. He was, I, I think he was critical of Trump in some ways, but still uh, in favor of him. Right. Well, he's definitely not a Clinton. I mean, when it was no. Trump versus Clinton, there's no way he was hammering the Clinton picket there. But yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's funny. He went on the, the Spade podcast and it's great. They did like a three-parter because you could tell they riffed for like four hours and they're like their weird Zoomer producer was like, how do we put this out as a four-hour podcast? Even though all of their fans would listen to four hours of them. Um, and they, they cut it, you know, they cut it up into three parts. And, you know, Dennis Miller put David Spade on like stand up. He was the guy you went to, like to uh, Dana Carvey and I believe David Spade. They kind of got like put on to open up. He would take those guys out on the road with them as openers. And, and you know, like Dennis Miller was, would just roast you and stuff. Like he, he was like really like mean to them coming up. And he would always call like David Spade Spudley. That was his nickname. Just go, hey, Spudley, you know, like just that kind of like, thing but he but he's he's so good he's he's another like almost like a charlie rose type interviewer and stuff but with with some commentary to it yeah um i mean he's it's in joe dirt it's it's phenomenal i mean having him as the radio host i mean you couldn't i mean like i could see that maybe they wanted like i could see that that in the room at happy madison corp wherever that is or something they're just thinking like either him or norm mcdonald right for that role like it's it's probably like who it was going to be but Miller, it's it's Miller. I'm sorry. Yeah, so, so. I was gonna say too. Uh, you know, if you go back and you listen to like a lot of Norm Macdonald uh, audio, especially from the '90s and the early odds, some of the best audio is with Dennis Miller, where you have Dennis Miller playing the straight guy and just kind of like throwing him very obvious questions or things like that, where Norm 
will give a very uh, odd and unexpected answer and then drag out that answer for several minutes. And Dennis Miller will just be like very dry, sharp and react to that. Some of the, the best uh, audio for certain out there is, is from Dennis Miller's podcast or his radio show. Um, I'm, I, you know, I, I wish he had more going on. But I, I, I think he's just probably aged out. Like the best is certainly way in the past at this point. But um, I, I mean, I, I think as far as like um, guys to have in there go, having Dennis, uh, Dennis Miller, David Spade, uh, it's I think an interesting combo of those SNL alums to put in this, this Joe Dirt movie. That it's like, I, I wouldn't call somebody like Dennis Miller like being on the bench or like a C-string SNL character, but I think around this time he was probably starting to wane because he was getting more into politics, more into radio. He did Monday Night Football too, right around that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He became the one of the announcers, right? Yeah, that really screwed up his career. I, I think personally, that's when I stopped seeing. Him. I'm a huge football fan, so it's like I remember like my dad is a big Dennis Miller fan. My mom is a big Dennis Miller fan. Despite being like hardcore Democrats, they were just like, he's so funny. I love it. He, they loved his talk show, the Dennis Miller, what I think it was Dennis Miller Live or something. Mm-hmm. They loved his uh, talk show, Spade, and all having them all there. He would just say, he went in the booth and it was just not good, like the announcing football. That was right after John Madden had left and it was, it was they were having a really hard time replacing him. And Dennis Miller was one of the guys. And it just, I think people just really soured on him then. And like, you know, there weren't really a lot of roles for him, you know, because Bill Maher is already like Bill Maher was kind of taking that that role, especially during the Bush administration. You don't want to I, I when you have Bush as president, do you want to hear Dennis Miller talk about George Bush? I mean, I do personally, but like, yeah, I, I get why the average, you know, boomer channel flipper guy is like Bill Maher. That sounds cool and edgier and funnier. You know, I, I get why that there was really not a, a role for him. Yeah, Bill Maher uh, at the time in the 90s had Politically Incorrect on ABC. And then I think once Dennis Miller either got pushed out or decided to retire from doing that, yeah, there was just, it was a slam dunk. What are you going to say, Hans? This is a weird thought of just thinking of uh, um, Bill Maher as like edgy. Because uh, I'm only familiar with him since what his documentary since on what religion. Club Random, where he'll wear like cool shades and sit in the dark and drink and criticize his guests for not drinking enough with him. Oh no, is that his podcast? Yeah, that has like neon signs on yes. it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, the first time I was exposed to him was with that religious. I think it's called the the documentary he did about religion. Mm. So he's always been that guy to me. Uh, and now hearing that he was like the edgier option. It's like a weird, weird well, thing to think about. Fact, yeah. In a sense that he would push back on the administration that was in power, mm. I suppose. It's like, it was like, you know, because he would he was obviously be critical of like, you know, George Bush and just right. things like that. Like, you know, if, if Al Gore wins the election, I bet Dennis Miller, you know, ends up becoming a way more popular because people look for the opposition. You know what I mean? On TV, that's what people look for. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not so much anymore, but, you know, the, the back then it was like, well, who's the guy that's going to like talk a little crap about what's going on? You know, like who's, who's that guy. And I don't know. I, maybe I'm making excuses for Dennis Miller cause I miss him. You know what I mean? I don't think we'll ever get him back, but uh, yeah, no. And especially my- back then, you know, you have to keep in mind, it was not like for a while anyway, it was not a popular position to criticize Bush or criticize the country at all. Like the Dixie Chicks had their album steamrolled in the town square or something for criticizing him because they thought he was dumb. Uh, you know, there was much more pushback on like the middle American uh, right wing 
average person of that time to any sort of like snarky liberal uh, attitude towards whatever the administration was or the the general sentiment of politics in the country at that time. Yeah, no, totally. But I mean, yeah, there is a there was a show that he was hosting or was supposed to host for RT America. Um, Oh, really? uh, on March 9th, 2020 until 2022. Uh, it's a half an hour program, it says, that uh, aired twice weekly, featuring interviews with sports and entertainment celebrities, supposed to be the show that replaced uh, Larry King now. Uh, but he quit the show when Russia invaded Ukraine. <laughs> this Putin okay. guy. This Putin yeah. guy. Yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> so this was an RT show? I know uh, yeah. Sean Stone had a show on RT as well. Beloved Sean Stone, Oliver Stone's son, uh, future yeah, that... guest of the podcast, maybe. God, don't I, don't I wish? <laughs> are, are you familiar with Sean Stone at all, Glenn? I'm not. I mean, I'm familiar with his father, of course, but no, I, I don't know what. I mean, is he is he cool? Like, is it... I, mean, I would define cool. You know, he's got he. So he's he's interesting in that you know he did a movie called Nightwalk, which we've talked about on so many of these episodes, and Classic. that came out in 2021. They actually shot it in like 2017 or something, and it just got they had to work on it for five years. And uh, he they shot this movie where in like Algeria or somewhere, Hans. They shot it in Oof. like I don't know some some Arabish country, and uh, he converted to Islam during that process and then uh was also like a MAGA guy and I don't know he's he seems just kind of very all over the place and confused and like Joe Rogan light in terms of like his stance on psychedelics and you know you're gonna keep an open mind and oh that's cool he's very he's just very, he's a colorful character is how I would put it nice yeah there's all types of those guys out there that you just don't even know like I found out Rodney Mullen is like reading the same sub stacks as me I was like whoa <laughs> it was like it was just like you just don't know you don't know who's out there i mean it doesn't it doesn't shock me that oliver stone's son is like kind of out there you know obviously but it's just yeah that's cool yeah this is the the easiest way to just uh explain what nightwalk is to someone just just <laughs> very cool just that image just that's, York looks phenomenal yeah that with that swastika tattoo and some would and, say uh, the best he's ever looked i, I and, mean he looks great and that's that's sean right here that's the star of the movie. It's a uh, it's a movie that I would recommend to anyone that likes movies. So I'll watch it. Classic, yeah. If you can find it. If you can find it. Well, they put it on uh, HBO Max Costa Rica, right? Mm. So yeah, is it so, still there? So get a VPN and, and maybe Easy money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, somebody we've kind of looked uh, overlooked rather in the Joe Dirt film is Kevin Nealon who I think is uh, kind of a forgotten but very reliable Weekend Update anchor. Do you have a, a particular favorite Weekend? I said like Norm MacDonald. Everybody says Norm MacDonald now mm -hmm. is the best Weekend Update anchor. He probably is. But Glenn, do you have a favorite among those, that crop of comedians? Love, love Neilan. I mean, I, I mean, even Chevy Chase. I mean, I mean, the old school Chevy Chase ones are are really funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's Norm. But if, if it, for, I, I love Kevin Neilan. I've loved Kevin Neilan. Um, I mean, I loved Grandma's Boy when I was in high school. I thought that was like the like yes. the funniest movie at the time, and he's phenomenal in that. Uh, just he and he's great. I mean, he's he's like just this really like the, I, SNL used to just have these big like hulking like Greg from Succession like tall guys around their cast all the time, and they're all so funny and like just these big giant tree men, you know, and 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 
I don't know. It's I, 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 you know, kneeling in the movie saying, uh, you know, is a UNICEF opens up like the impound business or something. It's such a great line. I, I don't want to butcher it, but it's just, yeah, he's great. I think he's probably among the like top four for weekend update anchors. I would actually say it's Norm, it's Dennis Miller, maybe Kevin Nealon, maybe. I don't know. I'm kind of biased though because I love '90s SNL. That's what sure. I. And I'm just like rattling off the '90s SNL. I Actually, I did not mention uh, Colin Quinn. Yeah, Colin. Is that your favorite, Hans? Not my favorite, but I, 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 I like them. He seemed very misplaced there. He seemed very nervous um, a lot of very the Very uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who else do you got? You got uh, Jen, Jane Curtin was one. Seth Meyers. That's your favorite, Jane Curtin? That's your answer? <laughs> Jimmy Fallon and Tina Fey? Uh, Char- terrible, who's though. Charles Rocket? I don't know. Charles oh, Rocket? Oh yeah, he was the weekend. He he uh, was the bad guy in Dumb and Dumber. He had a very horrible death. Oh, is that uh, those years where no one was watching when no um, what's his name left for a couple? Dick of Ebersol years? took over SNL in the 1980s from mm-hmm. Lauren Michaels, and he brought in. I mean, the way that they started, what was essentially like phase two of SNL, was horrible because they introduced the new cast and were like, "Oh, this is the new Bill Murray." This is the new Jane Curtin. This is the new Gilder. They literally said that on the episode. Ugh. And the host, I believe, was Bill Murray. And you had, like, an actual funny guy, a really, like, good, solid, you know, SNL staple here. And then you had all these nobodies. Gilbert Godfrey was in there, too. But Joe Piscopo was in there? No, right? no, no, no. That's the mid-'80s. No? Oh. He was fine on SNL. Don't try and... Was he? Yes, he was. He was... It was if no. it was not for him and Eddie Murphy... They were they were a good duo. They did. I mean, look, Eddie Murphy clearly is yeah. much stronger talent there, but Joe Piscopo pulled his weight on SNL. Yeah, totally. I yeah. wouldn't know. I'm only familiar with his later work, <laughs> when <Yeah>. he, <laughs> with his uh, badly playing instruments and and serenading uh, women he loves. Right. That's what yeah. I that was Club Piscopo. That was yeah. yeah. They decided to throw him a Showtime special. I don't. I don't know what they were thinking. He was missing from Joe Dirt. They should have threw him in there. He could have been who? Who could uh, Joe Piscopo have been? Mm. Joe. I mean, he wouldn't have been the redneck dad. Of course, that would have that couldn't have happened. Uh, he's a man of many impressions. I think he could have potentially <laughs> pulled it off. You never know. The dog killing dad, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, what is he? Is he alive still? Of course he's alive. Huh. You know what he would have been good at? Just really small role, the meteor that tells him it's a hunk of shit. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would have been a perfect spot for him. You know? That's right. Yeah, that would have been good. Just quick, in and out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's best for him. What are you What are you looking at now, Hans? I'm checking out what Joe Piscopo is up to now. <laughs> no, shut that. No, you're you're getting too caught up in looking at these people's horrible filmographies. Uh no, but yeah, no, uh, I, I, uh, I, I think he was pretty solid on SNL. Do you have like a favorite era for the show, Glenn? Yeah, I, I love, I, I was obviously like the Sandler, you know, Farley and stuff. I, I had to watch that in retro, you know, after, after it came out, of course, like he, he used to show a lot of the, the reruns of that. And that's loved, right. Yeah. Loved it, of course. Um, I, I mean, I love the like Will Ferrell just kind of like, you know, punching the, the wood, you know, and just the, that that era of just of uh, I thought Will Ferrell was just like an just an incredible superstar. Yeah. 
on on SNL. I mean, I know it's not really like a hot take or anything, obviously, because he's a mega star. But uh, I don't I don't think he gets his due these days because they don't know what to do with him because no. he, he he hasn't like pivoted into doing uh, dramatic roles. Which he is tried, what a lot right. of those guys do. Didn't he try he, that one? He did. Uh, wow, God! What was Stranger that? than fiction. Yeah, he What's tried. It was it was very strange. I guess was what the that's what they were going for. I guess, but yeah, no, it that was that was odd to see. But no, I I like I like all that stuff. Um, I definitely like stopped watching like when like Keenan got there. I feel like when I saw Keenan, I was like, nah, that's all. That that's over. Yeah, <laughs> he's still that. there. He's got another yeah. twenty years in the tank on SNL. But you know what? I respect him for knowing that. For knowing that he's like, this is all I got, is is this, and then hosting whatever uh, one-off game show that that NBC has me do, you know, otherwise during the off season, you know, like that. I I respect Keenan for just knowing I'm SNL. I cannot do anything else. I will. I'm not bigger. I'm not going to get a late night show. Yeah, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. Nope. I'm doing SNL. They tried to. Yeah. They dished out some sitcom maybe yeah. two years ago where it was called Keenan. So first of all, who, who's watching that? But second of all, the real selling point for the Keenan show was that Don Johnson played his father-in-law who lives with him. That's sick. and it was it was just the weirdest combination. I think they threw in like Lil Rel Howard as the friend or something. They were trying to do like a full house thing, I guess. It's Chris Red. Chris Red. But you're but you're close, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think I saw maybe. <laughs> one third of an episode of this because it was i feel like it premiered right around the time hey, everything Don johnson's face that was yeah distort him to do that like does that is that a real face that john don johnson can make when, when did he become chinese that's a you know, yeah. Johnson. <laughs> no that's a oh he was doing it again oh yeah what happened damn. in between s craig zoller movies he had to he just wanted to <laughs> Man, I, I, he needs he needs something too. Don Johnson, I think you know he's he's popping up in movies. He was in Knives Out. He did uh, his little cameo in uh, Dragged Across Concrete. Daughter, and his daughter's huge. Like you know what I mean? Like you think like Dad could get something off of the the, the uh, you know the Dakota Johnson? Is this, oh right, yeah. No, I I was not aware that I don't was his mean daughter. huge in size, but yeah, but <laughs> yeah, huge isn't. She's a star, you know. Like you think like. You'd think that, hey, throw my dad a little something, not my mom, whatever, you know. But th throw, throw dad something. Yeah. Uh, so he, um, I, I feel like they, they, did, something similar happened with another SNL alum, or maybe they. Oh, here's actually what happened. They tried to give John Mulaney a sitcom, and they didn't have faith in oh. John Mulaney by himself. Similar to them not having faith in Keenan by himself. So the big selling point of that show was, hey, we have Martin Short on the John Mulaney sitcom and every single commercial for that John Mulaney sitcom was really about Martin Short and Martin Short was the actual star of that show essentially and it just reads as like they know this is going to get canceled after five episodes yeah, there's I remember, no yeah, I, remember, I remember hearing all the kids in my neighborhood talking about how cool and funny Martin Short is so yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> the kids think he's so great yeah God, there you go hey, wasn't Judd, Judd Hurt in this too on what? On, on the Mulaney? Oh, no, it was Elliot Gould. Never mind. I, I confused. Oh, I got that. That's disappointing. Yeah. But uh, Elliot Gould pops. He makes a lot of late career questionable choices. Sure. Everything everything after like 2000, basically around like the time of like when he did Ocean's Eleven. America History X. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. He's uh, stable. Yeah. He's a. Uh, mm hmm. 
He's great in that. Um, he popped up in the new Jonah Hill interracial comedy on Netflix. <laughs> no, that was rough. Yeah, that's yeah. that's of course he did. I mean, why why didn't why wouldn't he? Yeah, that's uh, man. Yeah, I guess what I was saying though is just like yeah, Keenan. Once I saw Keenan get on there, I I didn't like it. Like my parents still watch it, but they feel like it's like an obligation that they have to watch it. And I I've watched them. They don't stay up late, so like they watch the they record it and then watch it in the morning they fast forward 70 percent of it like i've watched them do it like they're like it's still so funny and they're just like hammering the 4x like fast forward through all this stuff and if they've already seen the like clipped version on social media of the thing that's actually funny like the woody harrelson one recently when he was doing colon uh i don't know if you saw that skill where he was getting the colonoscopy kit sent to him it's very funny like i i uh that that was like the selling point for the whole show for them and then the rest of it, they were just hammering fast forward through. Like it was just, they were saving it for me. Like it was like paused when I got in there. Like, please watch this. You'll, you'll, this will get you back. You know? And I'm like, well, it's Woody Harrelson. He's not on there every week. You know? I feel like all SNL is really known for now is when you have the, uh, you know, the dangerous, like cold open or, or, or rather the, uh, the opening speech from whoever the host is. So the Woody Harrelson one is probably the one that garnered the most recent headlines. But anytime they have Dave Chappelle on, uh, did they have Louis host yeah, post like, cancellation? Yep. No. no. Was it post cancellation? I thought no, it was. Was it? Let me check. Because I I remember he hosted like twice or or three times, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't think it was post. Uh, that would be sick if they did that. Props, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I feel like that's a matter of time that, that that'll wind up He's happening. Working his way back. He's working his way back for sure. He's he, he'll he'll get back in. What do you think of his recent comedy? I haven't seen it. I'm scared um I, i'm scared i just i i just want to remember the good i loved the show loved louis i mean i loved i love this show love his stand i actually saw him in oakland on a tour a month before he got canceled um and it was it was great so sold out the warriors oracle arena at the time so sold it out just superstar like just one of the like last like non kevin hart superstar comedians or like what's that guy uh Maniscalco or whatever that, that Sebastian guy. Maniscalco yeah it's insane how many fans that guy has like it's just like I I don't know I've never heard anyone quote like a, a Maniscalco line to me but he can sell those guys are the only guys that can sell out now or like fluffy doesn't fluffy sell like Dodger fluffy. Stadium yeah, yeah. Well, there's, a, there's a there's a coat like a kind of <laughs> southwest tour that happened yeah. uh, with fluffy and kind of American southwest there uh, Louis hosted four times, uh, 2012, 2014, 15, and 17. Okay, uh, so it was right around the time he actually got canceled because I know he dropped his Netflix special, which was called 2017, and then that's when the hit piece came out, like uh, almost immediately following that, and they killed his movie he did with Charlie Day, and uh, which is like a pretty solid movie. I don't know if you've seen his new movie with Joe List Oof. as the lead, but it's very low budget and not like in a good or charming way oh, I uh, uh what was it called fourth of july that was not yeah. not great but i think i think his stand-up is pretty soft like the best it's probably been since 2013 his leaked special where he was talking about what was it the parkland kids or something right. uh, i don't think anything he's done has been as funny as that leaked audio i think that leaked audio might be the peak for like post cancellation louis but everything he's done and released through his website i think has been pretty good i guess he's working on like a horror movie right now that's what the the word on the street in new york is at the moment that he's got some kind of like weird giallo film that he's planning right now oh my man that's i mean i think with with him is his stand-up it it 
plays as you get older i think i think his stand-up is like fine because you know that kind of like crotchety mm. like like it works you know as 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 you get older so he'll he'll bounce back i that cancellation like i feel like that was one of those ones like it's gonna be like mel gibson because like mel gibson we're almost getting mel gibson back like he was in father whatever whatever was that movie with the where he's a priest like recently like oh father stew yeah yeah, yeah father stew like he we're gonna get more get like mel gibson like in like a year or so i'm just calling my shot there but like louis you know he's he, louis had like a you know like a misdemeanor cancellation like people got really shocked because of like the nature of what happened because it was actually like a physical act apparently um that that happened but he didn't say anything you know what mm-hmm. i mean like yeah. that's the weird thing he didn't say anything and well i mean mel gibson said things but uh, <laughs> it's not the greatest comparison i suppose but yeah um, you know and, and i think the thing is that he didn't say anything and i think most I, is anyone actually still mad at him like that was involved in that i don't think so maybe i don't know i don't know the uh the accusations that were talked about right everyone had this idea in their head that he was holding women hostage basically in rooms and jerking off and then you can go after him but that isn't what was in the piece what was in the piece was he asked and they were like ah sure and then afterward i realized i was uncomfortable i wanted to say no and that was that was essentially the gist it was all consensual so it was nothing like actually bad it was just remorseful stories but he got treated like weinstein or one of these guys and yeah it was a complete overreaction. I, I do think offer me that opportunity to just be like, hey, can you watch this guy for like five minutes and <laughs> you can do whatever like you want after that? You know, like why can't I get that opportunity? I go, Jeez. Yeah. You can open you can open for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and ten city tour. You know what I'm saying? Like five minutes, like the Matt Lauer button clicks on the door, just like all right, yeah. That's all that's all I'm saying, you know. Uh Mel is is doing that lethal weapon yeah i think that will be the turning point if he actually inks the deal to direct lethal weapon 5 then that's it i'm so i'm so in there's also that uh uh john wick uh, peacock series they're doing called the continental he's gonna be in that apparently he's like the top star of that and it's uh it's like a it's not a sequel, but it's so the Continental is that I believe the the hotel where all the killers hang out or where the killers yeah yeah, are. yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, they're do- uh, Peacock is doing a series that comes out next year and he's the top bill on that so slowly he's he's creeping in creeping Good. back well in. I don't know I, he might be creeping away at this point he's got a fifty cent like action film that's coming out too it's him and fifty cent and probably like Val Kilmer or something who is it uh, Mel Gibson. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he I, oh, I could totally see him getting into like the like black exploitation hood movie. <laughs> that would be sick, dude. Like a paid in full type like arc for Mel Gibson as like a cop, as like the dirty cop, like almost like the Michael Rappaport of like those movies. <laughs> oh, it'd be so tight, dude. Oh my god. Just Don't. an actor that's not afraid of saying the word. <laughs> yeah. Everybody remembers that line from Drag Across Concrete. You know what I mean? Like, we're, you know, everybody, you know, same, I think he says. Yeah. Or, Likewise, yeah. Likewise, that's what it is. Yeah, everybody remembers. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think, because uh, I was watching, I know we're not, this is not the Mel Gibson show, but I was watching Lethal Weapon, like the first one. I was like, I don't know if there's a better male crier ever. <laughs> like, there's a scene where he holds his like wife's picture like and he's just like breaks down crying i was like oh my god i forgot like how actually good of an actor he is how about yeah. harvey Keitel smoking crack nude and bad lieutenant <laughs> good point weeping. And, 
and it's gambling which is relatable to me because like that's you know and then shooting Dar- when daryl strawberry hits in a double play and shooting the radio yeah you, you're right yeah. that's true. yeah you could you could all you could also hear uh, mel gibson's crying in those voice messages he left to his <laughs> that was the best <laughs> male crying that's right i mean they, they the actors you got to like get to there with something in your head maybe mm-hmm. that's always what got him there you know uh, I think it's interesting if you go back to any early Mel Gibson interviews, like 1980s, he tends to have an Australian accent. And now he just talks like any of his movie characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the signs guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I am excited for that Passion of the Christ movie, though. I want to see how he ups the ante from that first one that's so graphic and violent. And now, like, what's going to happen in this one? Jim Cavi. How do you say his name? Cav- Jim Caviezel. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. a, a, also another one that disappeared, right? Didn't yeah. he have like a decent career and then he just... I think they weeded him out. I mean, look, it might be because he did like a CBS procedural, which I think was it was a person of interest for yeah. 10 years or something. And as soon as you do one of those, uh, you're not really a respected actor anymore. You can only make your money on that network. I think that happened to William Peterson too. But if you want to go like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's cancel culture or something. Well, he's like openly a Christian or something. Right. It could be that as well. And CBS's priorities shifted away from being like the middle America network into uh, the neighborhood with Cedric the Entertainer and <laughs> those shows. So I, I don't know. I don't think there's really a place for him at the table anymore. No, they just replaced him with Billy Crudup. I feel yeah. like just there was yeah. like, put him in all the, the movies now. Like, nobody will notice. <laughs> Uh, I've heard that Mel Gibson is thinking of doing something like really crazy and like altered states esque for Passion Two. Oh my god! Nice. Which I think could be amazing, but yeah. we'll see. Oh we'll see. God. I will see that four times in the theater. I don't care if I like it or not. <laughs> I'll go see. I look. I saw Father Stew on Easter, so I will see. I'll sign up for anything with Mel Gibson. I saw that direct to DVD Puerto Rico hurricane movie he did with. Emil Hirsch. Yeah, man. That yeah. was that was fun. That was something. What? <laughs> you, you don't know. Look, he's he's kind of I don't know I don't know why he's doing these movies, but he is now in the same category as like a John Cusack or like Nick Cage 15 years ago where he's got to do some like gutter films. He and should have been Rempart or what was that new Nicolas Cage? He should have been the vampire. Oh, yes. Ren, yeah, he could have been Renfield or Dracula and Renfield. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that should have been it. He should have got that role. He did some movie called On the Line recently. And you yeah. can, and so him and Kevin Dillon from Entourage mm-hmm. have been like a team in these movies <laughs> as of late. And it's really something. They did back to back movies, and you can tell like Kevin Dillon just doesn't give a shit. But the ending of the movie uh, almost like retcons all the bad acting you saw to be part of the movie. I won't spoil it. I think it's actually worth probably watching just because it's so crazy and the ending is insane. But it's like enjoyable Mel knowing he's like slumming it, but still delivering a performance that's like way too good for the movie and way better than anyone he's working with. God bless him. He's fun. He's fun. Um, All right. But Joe Dirt, do we have a final word on Joe Dirt before we close out this show for the evening? Yes, it has nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I want, <laughs> I want Rotten Tomatoes. I want to nuke Rotten Tomatoes. I want I, no way. I'm sorry. What does Hot Tub Time Machine have on Rotten Tomatoes? They that, thought that was a good movie when that came out. I bet you that has like a 69, 70 percent. So you know they're capable of giving a Joe Dirt movie a higher score than that. 
So they like it's not like oh well you know we don't it's not yeah sixty four percent hot tub time machine I'm not mm-hmm. I, I've nothing I I thought that was a fine movie whatever I laughed I don't remember any of it but I, I remember laughing at it but like Joe Dirt has nine percent like nine percent Kevin Farley movies rate higher than that I'm sure like as a lead it's it's ridiculous it's a hilarious movie um the christopher walken mobster stuff is some of my favorite it still made me laugh when he gets the like slapstick like erection thinking about his wife when <laughs> yes <still alive. laughs> so funny um kid rock is a superstar in there um a memorable line saying great villain yeah, yeah great villain where he says like i get you dirt no i'm cool no you're not just uh, just great stuff great stuff whamburger and french cries um it's just it's just really fun um it's fun to see somebody like like just kind of freeform comedy happening like you know just without like a intimacy coordinator kind of like over Mm. the entire thing you can tell it's just it's just a fun happy madison flick you know like I, i i think revisiting happy madison from like whenever you know happy gilmore to like you know click i think it's a fun journey you can go on truly i do think it's like probably b tier out of all the I, if you go like a to f i would say joe dirt is a high b tier and obviously something like i don't know happy gilmore or uh i don't know hans what's a good one what's billy a good Mad- billy madison chick. yeah of course uh what's an a tier one the hot chick you said <laughs> yeah a, well you love rob schneider that was good. yeah one of my it's very good is. deuce bigelow yeah. wasn't that happy madison or was yeah. It? yeah, yeah, that's I'm, a good one. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah, let me see. Uh, Jack of Jail. No, uh, uh, the animals pretty funny. Little Nikki, I really like that one. I saw recently, and it's still really funny. Uh, this Bigelow, Master, no, Master, these guys stinks. Um, fifty. That was the thing. one chance they gave Dana Carvey to lead a film, like especially after his career bottomed out. Like he was over when Master of Disguise came out. Him getting that movie was a real, like, second opportunity. And I don't know if that performed well or not. I know a lot of kids said turtle, turtle, turtle when that that came out. I don't know if that means that was a success, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think those kids are on welfare now. (laughs) Was Happy Gilmore, Happy Gilmore is not listed as a Happy I think that was, so that was probably the beginning, right? That was was before before the, the company was formed. Yeah, they the didn't... first the first one Billy they Madison produced was probably wasn't either. Yeah, Billy yeah. Madison. Because that was like a Lauren Michaels like over that was like when Tommy Boy and them were like coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Deuce Bigelow was the first one. Uh oh, made wow. 93 million. <laughs> so I guess that's what yeah, got everything going. Then Little Nicky and Joe Dirt was the third movie they produced. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I I would also like to co-sign that Joe Dirt uh, was a breeze for for like a ninety. I didn't know if I was going to enjoy it. I thought, all right, I'm probably going to be uncomfortable here. I'm not convinced that David Spade can lead a movie, but I enjoyed David Spade. He is one of probably my favorite um, SNL characters from the '90s, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he does a serviceable serviceable job playing off-type Joe Dirt, not the the smarmy smart mouth that everyone knows him for. Um, I will not be watching Joe Dirt 2, though. I just could not, I couldn't sign on for that based don't, off of my time with this. I don't I don't think any of those sequels that come out over 10 years after are worth even, uh, like, it, it doesn't take away from the original, but it's also just a, just a waste of time because nothing, nothing works. And it just, again, just feels like they're just doing the same jokes, but for way too long and you just want the movie to move on and it doesn't and once it moves on it goes nowhere so 
my favorite line from the movie is uh, when uh, someone tells him, oh, look at this guy. He must be retarded. Uh, that one made me cackle <laughs> when, I, when I was sure. watching that. So uh, it's a lot of, of a lot of uh, early 2000s lines like that that you, you catch you by surprise because you're yeah. not expecting yeah, that because you that pointing at your yeah. arms pointing at your arms saying yeah. queer these queer you know yeah good like it, uh, you know the 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 you know i'm done with that fart do you want that the apple core <laughs> um and you know there there's there's two things more things i i kick myself if i didn't mention on here the soundtrack wonderful um soundtrack 38 real white trash rock because adam sandler sucks at soundtracks a lot of times he just like, oh, it, let's put sticks in here. You know what I mean? Like, cause that's, mm. he lo- he always has the weirdest like seventies rock. That's like, you like that, you know, out of all the, the that, that, you know, that decade of music, he picks like the weirdest stuff from there. And he really like he put, I think it's Bob Seger, 38 special jailbreak, thin Lizzie. I mean, there's just all that, all that stuff's in there. And then also if you own it on DVD, um, which I don't know. Not everyone does. Probably I used to. I don't anymore. But I, I used to at one point. There was a deleted scene back when deleted scenes were a selling point to buy something on DVD. Where when he hits himself, the 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 nuke that he thinks is a nuke. It's a crap tank. Um, that happens, and he's going to wash himself off, and he's in this shower that's also filled with crap all over the place. So he just keeps. He can't avoid it. But he leans down and he finds a Leonard Skinner cassette and just yells "Skinnerd" like that. It's really funny. I don't know why, but it's just. It's, I, I I thought that could have made the movie, but I, I understand keeping the tight ninety minutes. You like to see homos naked? Oh yeah, that <laughs> that's was, a, yeah. that's a. You have Sean Sean yeah. Hunter's dad from Boy Meets World doing yeah. a Cajun accent. He's um, a great one. He's a great Happy Madison um, kind of recurring guy. Mm. Yeah, he's a staple. Uh, yeah. All right. So. Thank you so much for coming on the show to discuss Joe Dirt, uh, Glenn. And uh, it, was, uh, it was an enjoyable time getting into 90s SNL and discussing uh, the, the career of one David Spade with you this evening. Oh, excellent, man. I, I mean, hey, any time, man. Any, any, uh, anytime you want to watch a, a 9% Rotten Tomato movie uh, <laughs> that I tend to think is higher, I put a zero after the nine personally. But, you, you know, uh, I, I'm always available. Wonderful. All right. Well, that has been Movies for this week. Thank you for listening.